Welcome to the sermon podcast of Northridge Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. I'm Betsy Sweetenberg, the pastor here, and I hope that in this podcast, you see what we seek to do week after week, approaching the stories of our faith with a holy curiosity, not shutting the book because the stories are hard or there are truths we'd rather ignore. Instead, approaching scripture, trusting that God will meet us there, full of grace and truth, teaching us something new about how we are to live in this world God so loves. Before we turn to scripture, let's pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for your word, which challenges, inspires, illumines. We ask that you do just that with these ancient words this morning. Challenge, inspire, illumine us so that we might learn something new of how to live as your people in this world you so love. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Exodus, which follows the book of Genesis. Genesis is the book of beginnings in the Bible. So all the stories are beginnings. It's the beginning of creation, the beginning of relationships. And if you were to read straight through the books of Genesis and Exodus in one sitting, you would notice a pretty big contrast between the two books. They are actually meant to be a unit. So you can't fully understand some of the language of Exodus unless you understand the landscape of Genesis. Genesis is story after story of individuals and their relationships with others. It's the story of husbands and wives, parents and children, brothers and their sibling rivalries. It tells us some of the individual problems faced by our early ancestors. It tells us about the infertility struggles faced by the matriarchs, Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel. Genesis is highly attuned to particular people. And by the end of Genesis, the stories of these particular people and their relationships with each other come together to create a family tree. But if you turn the page to Exodus, the whole biblical landscape changes. For the very first time, politics enters the story center stage. And God shows up in new ways. God intervenes in history through a series of miracles and wonders. If you read Genesis and Exodus back to back, then you notice that what God does in Exodus is a departure from Genesis. And there's also one more shift that is very important, and it actually comes in the scripture we're about to read Genesis, as I said, was about individuals, and then by the end of the book, it's about a family. And our scripture that we're going to read is, it tells us that a new king came to power in Egypt, and he did not have a relationship with Joseph. So he didn't know who Joseph, this Israelite, was, and he didn't know the history that Joseph had actually saved the Egyptian nation from a severe famine. All he knows is that Joseph and his family are foreigners. They're Israelites. And so Pharaoh uses this word in our scripture. He's, he calls them the Israelite people. 
And this doesn't sound important, but the Hebrew version of this word is much more distinct than our generic people. So this sounds like a small detail, but in the Hebrew, it is a seismic shift in the biblical narrative. It's the first time that the word people is used. And so what had been the biblical story of individuals and a family, with that word, Israelite people, all of a sudden becomes the story of a community. What was the story of Joseph and his brothers all of a sudden gets expanded and becomes the story of Israel. It's the story of a nation. It's the story of a congregation. With that word, it becomes our story. And it is meant to show us, the readers today, that there is something for us to learn about what it means to live as God's community through them. So hear this story from the beginning of Exodus. This is chapter 1, verses 8 through 22. Now this is another one of those scriptures that can make it hard to say thanks be to God. But let's listen to what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase. And in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pithom and Ramesses for Pharaoh. But the more the Israelites were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians subjected the Israelites to hard servitude and made their lives bitter with hard servitude in mortar and bricks and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife even comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And we call this book Exodus, which is a very logical title considering the entire book is about the Exodus from Egypt. Exodus means a way out. But our Jewish brothers and sisters call this book Shmot, because in Hebrew, that is how the book begins with the word Shmot, 
And that means these are the names. Exodus, a way out. Shmot, these are the names. Now the names of the book of the Bible help us point to things that we should notice. They're like little flashlights for us so we can pay attention to God's work. Exodus, a way out. God's liberating work. Shmot, these are the names. Shifra, Pua. Now it's a big deal to be named in scripture. There are plenty of people who never get referred to by name. We have plenty of biblical stories about generic man, woman, child, suffering person. So when people are named in scripture, it's a way to say, pay attention, this is really important. Many of the names we get are no surprise. They are mostly the names of men in power, prophets, disciples. Women don't get named often at all. And when they do, it's usually because they hold some power, like Queen Vashti in the book of Esther. But here we are in the book of Exodus, or the book of Shemot, the book of names. And these ordinary midwives, not queens, get names. These are the names. Shifra, Pua. That is like a glaringly obvious sign. Pay attention. So I think the question for us is, what do these ordinary midwives have to teach us about a way out? What can these women teach us about God's liberating work? Now, aside from their names, there's one other little detail about these midwives that gets included not once, but twice. So it is another, pay attention. They feared God. And that does not mean like a cowering in the corner kind of fear. It's not an I'm scared or God is spooky kind of fear either. This is a deep reverence and respect for what God is doing in the world. That respect comes before anything else for them, apparently, because they are named, and then we are told that they fear God. So it is central to who they are as people. They feared God. They respected God's work in the world and trusted God's promises, which apparently granted them enough confidence to defy Pharaoh's orders. Now, when I read this story, it's really easy to start naming all the ways that Shifra and Pua aren't like us. These are bold women who risked their lives to save the lives of others. They lived in a dangerous and terrifying time. Their names are recorded in our holy scriptures. They are heroines. They are not like us in so many ways. I was speaking to a colleague of mine about this text this week, and he said, Do you really think that you're going to make the story of two sneaky and subversive Jewish women who undermined Pharaoh and saved the world relatable to a group of people in the pews in Dallas, Texas? What are you going to say? If they can do it, we can too? That's kind of the point, I think. Let me be clear. We are not them. Our world is not their world. But I don't think we can dismiss this so quickly as some biblical fairy tale. I think this story is very relevant to where we find ourselves today. In fact, maybe that's why it is included in our scriptures. 
we don't have to imagine a world in need of liberation. Our world is in desperate need of liberation. We don't have to imagine a nation in need of liberation. Our nation is in need of liberation. We don't have to imagine a city in need of liberation. Dallas is in need of liberation. And dare I say, we don't have to imagine ourselves in need of liberation either. Because I have yet to meet a person who's not in need of God's liberating and life-giving love. The pharaohs are aplenty in our world, doling out death-dealing decrees, separating us from each other and from God. I don't know about you, but I dread looking at the news each morning. I dread the thought of one more headline about death and political vitriol and violence. I dread the thought of what kind of world our children will inherit from us. I dread the thought that things could actually get worse tomorrow than they are today. And I think that's why Shifra and Pua are so helpful. It would be easy to be paralyzed about the state of our world, our nation, our city. They easily could have been paralyzed by the state of their world. They could have been paralyzed by fear and the terror that was running rampant around them. They could have thrown up their hands after getting the orders from Pharaoh. They could have said, the problem is too big. We can't get involved. We're just two lowly midwives. But this is exactly why we need the encouragement of their example. In fact, maybe this is why it is included in the scriptures for us, a story of two sneaky and subversive Jewish women who remind us what is possible when we let our love of God transcend our, transcend our fear about the state of our world. Shemot. These are the names. It is a big deal to be named in scripture. And here we have the names of two ordinary women who I think are meant to be our reminder that we are all capable of resisting whatever forces threaten liberation and life. You are enough. No matter your age or condition in life, you are enough. No matter how big the issue seems, you are enough because each of us has a role to play in God's liberating work in this world. Shifra and Pua never set out to save a nation, to stop a genocide. They went about their daily work using their God-given gifts, and when confronted with a choice between life and death, they chose life. And that choice changed Israel's history. By the way, Pharaoh's daughter made the same choice not too long after. After Shifra and Pua let the boys live, it was the daughter who chose to pick Moses up out of the river and let him live. She chose life instead of death. Liberation is always a partnership between God and God's people. That's the way out. It's not all on God or all on us right here in this sanctuary, and that should come as really great news. We don't go it alone. God enlists us in the work of bringing about liberation in this world. That's what these midwives have to teach us. 
As one rabbi says about this story, it's not what God does for us, but what we do for God that changes us and ultimately changes our communities. And you need not be anyone in power, anyone with means, anyone with special skills to participate in God's liberating work in our world. Now, I doubt that our liberating work will look like midwifery, but it doesn't need to. It could look like prayers of compassion. It could look like meals prepared with love, furniture moved into an apartment and lovingly arranged for a refugee family. It could look like food distributed to neighbors at White Rock Center of Hope, a handwritten card put in the mail, children belting out songs of God's love. It could look like respectful disagreements, defiant hope, Grace offered through a smile, because any time we act with grace, trusting God's promise of life and life abundant, we too are participating in God's liberating work. We worship a God who is daily going about the work of mending the world. Like Shifra and Pua, we need only make ourselves available, just as we are, to join in. Exodus, a way out, Shmot, these are the names. Our way out from the pharaohs of this world is through ordinary people. That's how it happens. That's how it happened for the Israelites. That's how it's happened for communities and nations since. That's how it happens for Northridge Presbyterian Church. Exodus, a way out, Shmot, these are the names. Shipra, Pua, Nell, Mary Lee, Christy, Jordan, Ray, Rob, Alan, Brian, Darren, Brent, Sarah, you, me, all of us, given the chance to use whatever we've been given for God's grace. Do not underestimate the power and possibility in that. I wonder what pharaohs you see at work in our world. I wonder where you've noticed God's liberating spirit is being squashed, cut off, suffocated. I hope you reflect on that and then consider it an invitation to join in God's work in the world trusting that God will continue to work through ordinary people like you and me, just as God always has, to create a way out so that all people may know a life free of Pharaoh's rule. May it be so. Amen. Go out into God's world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all persons, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day, and always, always. Amen.